listening to the Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Toos, and today I'll be speaking with author Elizabeth Schick about her new novel, The Golden Land, winner of the AWP Award. Elizabeth has her master's in fine arts from Wesley University and a master's of international affairs from Columbia University. She's also spent a considerable amount of time living and working abroad. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, in your bio, I noticed that you have lived in Angola, Mozambique, Tanzania, Gambia, and elsewhere. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what were you doing in the different places? So I was working in international development, um, at least initially. I started um, my first job in international development after getting the master's degree um, from Columbia was in the Gambia. And then I was transferred to Angola. And then I met my husband. <laughs> he was oh. also working in the same field um, in for the UN. And so then we started moving together. Um, so we moved to Mozambique together. And then we moved to Italy and, you know, sort of so on and so forth. Um, oh, okay. Malawi, Myanmar. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, and then you lived in Myanmar for about six years. Yes, six years. When when were you living there? I was there from 2013 to 2019, which okay. is, I think, we're probably the best years Myanmar has had in a very long time. <laughs> and you're currently splitting your time between Bangladesh and Boston, right? That's right. We're based in Bangladesh now, um, okay. but a combination of like book promotion and um, having my children and my elderly mother in Boston means that I'm going back and forth a lot. <laughs> Well, and, and Boston plays into the uh, the book. Talk about That's the right. novel, uh, The Golden Land. Uh, in the book, your main character, Etta, and I have to say that, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the singer that, that's re referenced to. She, <laughs> spend, she spends her time between Burma and Boston and, and eventually Myanmar, once Burma becomes Myanmar. Um, talk a little bit briefly for folks that may not know about the history between Burma and it becoming Myanmar. Okay, sure. So um, the country, Burma slash Myanmar, was um, a, a British colony. And so the name Burma comes from, um, I believe, it comes from the majority ethnic group, which is the Bamar. So the British, you know, did what they do of kind of <laughs> English anglicizing um, the name and it became Burma. So um, from independence, which was 1948 until 1989, it was Burma. But meanwhile, um, you know, the military took over um, and they have they were running the show for um, almost 50 years. And so in 1989, they decided that they wanted to change the name to something which they said would be more inclusive of all the different ethnic groups in the country. So they right. chose Myanmar. So the situation now, I mean, it's sometimes called Myanmar, sometimes called Burma, like the UN officially calls it Myanmar. Um, many people, including like the US government, you know, the embassy, the US embassy, in Yangon is the the embassy of to Burma. So um, it kind of is a little bit <laughs> has has two names. 
Um, yeah. And really, neither of them are perfect because one is given by the the colonial power and one is given by the military, which you know does not really represent the people. Yeah. Well, we could you know we could talk about that history probably the rest of the hour, the rest of the half an hour, but let's let's jump back into the novel real quick. Sure. Obviously, with the Boston being part of it, and you having lived in Boston, and you having mm-hmm. lived in Myanmar, I couldn't help wondering how much of the novel is autobiographical. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I think in some ways, like all fiction is is from all my fiction is kind of autobiographical, and then none of it is autobiographical. And I think, <laughs> in a way, both answers are true. Um, none of it, you know, none of the the characters um, are me and none of the events that happened are things that I personally experienced. But I think that, you know, that it's the emotional core of the novel, I would say, is is autobiographical in the sense that Etta, the main character, is struggling with with a lot of issues of identity and belonging which I struggle with in, you know, I've lived overseas now for 27 years. So I definitely share with her that sense of being pulled between different cultures, um, yeah. which is a big part of the novel. Um, but I, you know, I, I am not Burmese or Myanmar. <laughs> so I haven't experienced that part of it, but I did live there for six years. Well, you know, one of the things that struck me as I read it and maybe I tell me if I'm reading too much into it, but, and we're going to talk more about this, but the personal mm-hmm. relationships in the book, the personal relationships in the book seem to me to parallel the different cultures um, and, and you know, overlap with them. So you could read the per- the personal relationships, say, for between Etta and Jason or whatever, and get a reference back to the different cultures that are involved in the book as well. Am I reading too much into that? Interesting. I've never thought about that quite in that way. But no, I think that's probably true. Okay. Well, let's talk about this. So Etta's grandparents, Etta being your main character, were born mm-hmm. in Burma. And her grandmother seems to be a difficult figure in her life. Um, yes. And so yeah. that's part of what, where I get, came up with this initially. Is there a parallel between Etta's relationship with her grandmother and Etta's relationship with Burma? I think so, yes. Um, yeah, because, well, her her. Her grandmother also had a difficult relationship with Burma, right? right. So that's, you know, she has taken that on because not not so much by choice, but, you know, in in the novel, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that, you know, the the grandmother, I think actually it's mentioned in the first chapter, you know, she she sort of renounces her country. Um, or she flips, she goes from being, you know, very intense and wanting Etta to know everything there is to know and learn the language and the culture and the religion to suddenly saying, we're not Burmese anymore. Um, and that's very confusing for Etta. She doesn't have a chance to, to really understand that or process that. Um, and that lack of understanding is, is very much what I think she has to work through. Yeah. And one of the parts of this, just so we, I guess, do this a bit chronologically, is the grandmother comes to America. She leaves Burma and comes to America. And there is this this back and forth. And, you know, I've I've interviewed folks that have written memoirs about leaving one country and moving to America, or in one case, Canada. And there's this always this tension. Uh, And and I sense that with with the grandmother as well. On one hand, as you say, she renounces. On the other hand, she's still, 
you know, Burmese, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. In the novel, there's a character that Edda recalls from her childhood become, who becomes important, her childhood in America, uh, a, a gentleman named Wu So. And he was yes. a puppeteer using marionettes when she was young, a friend of her mm -hmm. grandmother's. Um, what does he and his relationship with the grandmother and these marionettes represent to you in the story? So, um, that's a complicated question. <laughs> I think, you know, the marionettes are, yes. um, let, let me just say, they, they came to me kind of by surprise. Um, yes. You know, I think I had seen a marionette show recently when I sat down to write. And then suddenly, you know, I opened a closet and there were these broken marionette pieces. Um, right. And then they brought me to that character, Usotet, you know, it's his full name. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, he's he's one of my favorite characters um, because he kind of he's sort of a guide for her, um, you know, for Etta to helping her to find her way after her grandmother's death. Yeah. And so, and the, yeah. yeah. And the marionettes were fascinating to me. The whole idea that they were broken. I'm, I'm being metaphorical here a little bit, but they were broken. Mm -hmm. And then he's able to kind of put them back together. Um, yes, exactly. You know, parallels much of what the story at least uh, said to me. Um, and he's also had a relationship with the grandmother, right? Yeah. And that's a big surprise for Etta. <laughs> she yes, didn't think her, her, she didn't think of her grandmother as a, as a woman, you know, as we don't that, often of our older that's relatives. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Now when Etta was young, I think it was in 1988, I believe she does visit Burma and mm -hmm. she falls for a cousin, Shay, um, and when she returns to America, she's, um, you know, her adolescent letters of love, uh, but he never replies. Yeah. What happened there? Um, well, I don't, I don't know if I should give too much of this away, but, <laughs> but it, you know, the grandmother interfered is what happened. Yes. Yes. Um, right. And, and, and yeah. Why, so yeah, why is she interfering? You know, that's, that's, I mean, she is a, she was a very complicated woman. Um, I think partly it was because she was afraid. Um, I mean, on the surface level, maybe she was, she would, she would say she was afraid of, you know, getting Shui in trouble because by then, you know, they'd sort of cracked down on, um, you know, censorship and just everything in Myanmar or in Burma. Actually, it was Myanmar by then. And, so she was, you know, she would say that she didn't want to get him in trouble by writing to somebody in the U.S., you know, and that was right. an issue. Like Americans were very, you know, suspicious to the Burmese at that point. Um, but I think underlying it all, I think she was afraid herself, like she had by this time renounced the country and she was afraid of Etta's connection to him. You know, I yeah. think that was yeah. too powerful and it scared her. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that struck me, and everybody will bring their own uh, lens or experience to it, was that um, she was concerned about cutting off this connection back to Burma. Um, you know, it, anyway. Um, so anyway, Etta and Shay are together in Burma when an actual historical incident, which is in the book, uh, the White Ridge Massacre, occurs. And that's mm -hmm. a critical aspect of this story, not only for the country, 
uh, but for Etta's family, right? Yes, exactly. Um, definitely. There's a lot, um, there's a lot there, which she doesn't realize is going on at the time. Um, you know, cause she doesn't understand fully the, the politics and the role of the military. And in fact, you know, they have family in the military and that's one of the things that I wanted to explore in the novel. Cause it was fascinated me living there is, you know, these people had lived in a, under a military dictatorship for 50 years and they had to find ways of, of getting by and getting on with life. And sometimes that meant that your your neighbor or your friend or your, you know, I don't know if your lover was, you know, would be would be yeah. part of the military. Yeah. And that was a yeah. fact of life. Yeah. And so the country goes. Who, if you will. Um, and when that happens, people end up choosing sides, including within families. Right. And that's that's one thread in this story, isn't it? Yes. Yes, exactly. It is. Yeah. So part of her extended family kind of goes in one direction and the other part goes the other direction. And, you know, one of the things about great fiction, and, and this is a really good book, is universal themes. And, you know, I couldn't help thinking about America when I read that and mm -hmm. the polarization and the, the families that are being split up by difference, uh, differences in politics. Not nearly as bad as, as the situation you're referring to, but there is I think there is an analogy, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people in general being pulled apart, you know, by just not listening to each other and not trying to talk to each other. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are well, also yeah. some pretty scary similarities in, you know, what happened recently in Myanmar. I'm sure, you know, but, you know, yes. the November 2020 election, which one one party called fraud. Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're referring to. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the a central piece here, this White Bridge uh, massacre. Now, I thought this was really fascinating. When you're writing about this incident where some students were murdered and Etta and, and Shay actually witnessed some of this, you write this, and here's a quote, quote, every human being on the planet has a responsibility, close quote. And, you know, when I read that, and I'm going to take you in a different direction here, but I thought of the uh, Jewish theologian Abraham Heschel, uh, who in reference to the show, in reference to the Holocaust, he said, you know, we're not all guilty but we're all responsible. Mm -hmm. Are you trying to, are you, is that what you're trying to tell us when you're talking about Myanmar through this fictionalized version that we all have some responsibility uh, to the, the rest of the people around us and the rest of the world? Yeah, I'm both trying to say, I do think we all have a responsibility and we all need to step up, <laughs> you know, and make the world a better place. Um, but at the same time, what I'm talking about there is, you know, because Etta feels guilty because of family associations and, you know, that I was also really interested in exploring that, you know, are you guilty by association because of something a family member did? And that's kind of where I ended up is you may not be guilty, but that doesn't let you off the hook because none of us are off the hook. We all need to, to do our part. Yeah. And then we have to figure out how we deal with and she has to figure out how she deals with folks in her family who may have committed things that she thinks are unethical. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. All right. So am I reading too much into Shay's character that he has a bit of the Buddha in him? Right. He comes from means, but he prefers to be kind of with the downtrodden. Was that 
something you were conscious of when you were writing this character? Um, I was conscious of those aspects of his personality. It did not occur to me that he, <laughs> to think of him as being connected to the to Buddha, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he is he is actually turns out to be more religious than Etta had expected. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He yeah. is a little bit of a, a mythical figure in a way. I mean, he's larger than life. I, I thought he was a great a great character. Let me ask you this. I, I sometimes will hear this from authors when I talk to them. Do you have situations where, and maybe with this book, where people tell you that they saw something in the book or they got something on, out of the book that you weren't really thinking about when you wrote it? Well, you just did. Has <laughs> <laughs> that happened to um, you before? I can't be well, the first. It's probably still early days, but um, you know, I definitely have been kind of amazed at what people do get out of the book. Um, not that it surprises me. I mean, it, it it surprises me in a way, I guess, because I I sort of think, oh yeah, I did I did do that. I did mean that, you know. <laughs> but I've kind of forgotten because the whole process of writing is a bit of a mystery to me. Um, but there was one review which I just had recently here in Bangladesh, which really was quite interesting to me because you know Bangladesh is the host of one million refugees from Myanmar right now. And so there's, you know, some some unpleasant feelings between the two countries about that situation. Um, but this reviewer did a, a really nice job and it was just really nice to to read his his talk, how he experienced the novel and you know what he learned from it. And he was so open minded about it. So that was um a really nice experience. You know, one other question, too, that's kind of a general question, but I, I couldn't help thinking about it with Etta and with Shay in particular. When you create characters like that, um, you live with them for a while, right, as you're writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and did they actually help write? I've heard head authors tell me this. Do they help write the story for you? You know, it's interesting because um, Etta herself did not help me very much because as you can imagine, she's a little, she's not very in touch with her emotions. Right. So she right. was, she was a difficult, you know, nut to crack. But I, what I did find is the other characters kept both helping her and in the process, helping me to, to get to understand her better. You know, they were really leading her um, in different ways, each one in, in a different way, you know, like Jason was always trying to get her to be closer with her family and, um, Parker was trying to, well, was challenging her, her fixed views at his fixed views. Um, and Shui really, you know, pushes actually almost physically pushes her right into, yeah, yeah. um, forcing her to, to come to terms with the past. So they all helped me, but she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Well, Parker, her sister who ends up going to Myanmar seems perfectly comfortable uh, living there while Etta is torn in different directions. Parker seems very comfortable there, right? Yeah. I think Parker's just a lot more comfortable with herself. Um, ah, you know, that, that's, yeah. And then we have Jason and we can't overlook Jason. Cause I, I was really interested in the dynamics of the relationship there. So Etta mm -hmm. is living with Jason, her fiance in Boston. She's a yeah. lawyer, but she's really concealed a whole lot from him. Uh, and periodically in the novel, she wrestles with whether to tell him more. And exactly, it struck me, yeah. yeah, it struck me, 
I just thought this was a beautiful way you did this, that, you know, we know most people in caricature and what our own personal needs are, but he's, there's more to him than we realize. And it starts to blossom towards the end. It doesn't it? Yes. Jason, was a character who actually really surprised me because when I began the novel, um, I really did, didn't think much about him. He was just kind of a springboard for Eva. Right. Uh-huh. And he kept doing things, you know, that surprised me. He kept doing things that he was like, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> you know, I'm, right. Right. I'm still here and I'm going to push and I'm going to, you know, he wasn't really willing to just let her go. Or at least and, not and easily. Yeah. And, and he has depth. I mean, he's not just, you know, a paper thin character. He has depth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I'm going to come back to this to me and tell me I'm wrong. But Jason is America, right? Yeah, he's American. Well, I know he's American, but he is as a metaphor or whatever. He is America. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we're going to run out of time here in a couple of minutes. But let me ask you this. You know, I'll ask folks sometimes why they write. And they'll say, um, you know, I write for myself or. I write to make a political point or a social point, or a couple of them will say I write for the money. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you write? Well, definitely not for the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do write partly for myself, um, right. kind of to figure out what I think. <laughs> I, I think better with my fingertips, you know, um, and to explore questions that I that I that I can't get out of my head, you know. Um, so So writing, writing, writing is in part self-reflection, right? For you. It is definitely, definitely. It's like, you know, I have certain themes, certain questions that I'm, I'm pretty, you know, obsessed with really about identity and belonging and all that kind of stuff. So I'm always exploring those in, um, in my writing. And Um, and then, oh, Mm -hmm. go Go ahead. I'm sorry. You Uh, learned about yourself in my process. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I try. <laughs> still learning. Okay. It's still a work in progress. Uh, we, that we all are. Well, let me yes. end with this. You end the book with just a beautiful quote about memory. Um, and simply that, quote, memories are like bricks, each one building on the last, close quote. And, and again, I couldn't help wondering when I read the story and as it was going back and forth, you know, without memory, personal or cultural, um, who are we? Or, or maybe a better question is, what are we? Exactly. Yeah. And she keeps trying to sweep her memories under the rug, right? But she yeah. needs those memories. They're part of who she is. They're part of who we all are. You know, they they make our personality. Yes, I agree. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. I've been speaking with author Elizabeth Schick about her new novel, The Golden Land, which I highly recommend. Elizabeth, is there a website or other social media that folks can go to in order to find out more about the book or about yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the best place is my website, which is elizabethschick.com. And Schick is S-H-I-C-K. So it's not not like the razor blade. I've been telling people my whole life. (laughs) Um, There are all the links to social media are on my website. And I've also just started a Substack newsletter. And um, if anyone is interested, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you get a a free excerpt of the first chapter of The Golden Land. And and The Golden Land is... 
Okay, and it's available on Amazon and, and other um, other internet sites, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Yep. Everywhere books are sold, as they say. <laughs> there you go. Elizabeth, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this.